Everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. Thank you for joining. What a good show I have for you today. We are going straight into it. We're going to be talking about brain fog. I know so many of us, shoot, I remember when I was practicing, there was so many people like, Doc, I don't feel good. My brain is not working well. I don't remember the things I used to. I'm not as focused as I used to, and I'm certainly not concentrating the way I used to. So uh, we'll be going into brain fog. And today's special guest is going to be a friend of mine, Dr. Alejandro Junger, who is very well-renowned and with many accomplishments, but none of the least being that he has traveled the world and has been exposed to some of the most incredible medicines. So he's going to share some of those gems with us. I can't really, I can't wait for that. Um, so without further ado, let's get to this knowledge bomb. All right, brain fog, brain fog, it's not a disease, right? It's a symptom. Many of us suffer from it. And there's multiple causes of brain fog. But I know many of us have dealt with it. You got trouble thinking, you definitely can't focus, and lack of overall concentration. You're confused even sometimes, forgetful. You know, you're not remembering to lock the door. You may, maybe you're worried you didn't even turn off the stove, right? So really it's a subjective experience. You know, what it, we can't really quantify how brain fog manifests. What's the mechanism of brain fog? Well, we don't truly know or fully know yet. Some theories are it's a lack of blood flow to the brain, certain parts of the brain that are involved in many of these uh, cognitive functions, or uh, it may be due or also may be due to a depletion of serotonin. Uh, and that's a neurotransmitter that's made in the brain, but mostly in the gut, which I sort of like lean into the serotonin uh, approach to it more, and I'll tell you why later. But uh, serotonin is the neurotransmitter in our brain that really modulates mood, appetite, uh, different signals for uh, digestion. So what reduces serotonin? Alcohol, caffeine, nicotine, antidepressants, all these are going to be reducing the production of serotonin mostly in the gut, okay? So what are some of the major causes of brain fog? Well, when I thought about this, I thought one of the first things is improper nutrition, for sure. You don't have to go further than omega-3s. First and foremost, low level of omega-3s are going to reduce your serotonin production as it is. But also, they're super important for brain health. This is why we talk about kids uh, making sure they're getting enough omegas in their in their body, pregnant women, and also through our adult lives. We just want to make sure because they're feeding our brain, particularly the brain cells, the neurons, right? It's also having an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. I think inflammation plays a major, major component in brain fog. So the serotonin, okay, yeah, we know. The inflammation is going to be another component to it as well as the blood flow. All right, so when it comes to inflammation then, we have to think omega-3s and omega-6s. We need them both, but at different ratios. And I spoke about this before on this show. Omega-3 should be at a much higher ratio, about four to one, omega-3 to omega-6. Now, omega-6, unfortunately, can be, we, we intake them so much that the three to omega-3 to omega-6 ratio can be one to 20, which is pretty incredible because we really indulge in these high omega-6 foods. Some of the quickest ways to get up your omega-6s, which are the more inflammatory omegas, are going to be utilizing a lot of grapeseed oil, 
corn oil, cottonseed oil, soy oil. So these are the, why I say stay away from these vegetable oils and go with high omega-3 vegetable oils, but also a lot of foods, and you can look this up right on Google, a lot of foods, they'll show you a whole list of high omega-6 foods, but it's it, it wouldn't be a surprise. A lot of these are um, the ones that you would expect to have high omega-6 or be more inflammatory. Okay, so, and of course, avoid the simple carbs, avoid the sugars, avoid the processed foods, the sugary drinks, okay? And make sure that you're starting to intake more of high omega-3 foods. What are those? If you eat fish, then it's going to be fish. We know that. Mackerel, tuna, salmon, uh, nuts and seeds, and flax oil. Make sure you're getting that in your diet too. Another important nutrient, vitamin D. Super, super important. Vitamin D, when it's right, will lift up that brain fog. Many folks develop or worsen their brain fog in the winter. And this may be a little clue that we need to look into. Oh, your vitamin D status might be low. You got to go get it tested. Should be between 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter. For me, that's higher than the level which we want to see in conventional labs. But for me, 40 is about where you want to be at the lowest. All right. So you want to make sure if you are lower than 40, then you're supplementing. So talk to your doctor about supplementation, about how many IUs would be best for you, and make sure you're getting sun. If you have sun during the winter, get in that sun. All right. B vitamins, super important for brain health, brain fog. B6 and B12 are some of the most important ones, really important in overall brain health. We know that, but it's integral in many of these enzymatic reactions that happen in the brain to keep it functioning, to keep it processing, to keep it going. Minerals. This is why I talk about minerals all the time. Magnesium is one of the most important magne uh, minerals in the brain, particularly in the electrical communication between neurons. This is why you need magnesium. About 50% of us are deficient in magnesium. So, um, I, and it's funny because I, it's perfect timing. I just put up a post on magnesium today because um, there's so many different forms. So go check that out. Go check out that post and see which forms would best benefit you, right? But in essence, magnesium will make you sharper because it's increasing that electrical communication between neurons, really important, okay? Amino acids like L-tryptophan. This is really important because it's one of the precursors to the development of serotonin. Remember what I told you, serotonin is so, so important to help reduce brain fog, okay? Poor sleep, of course. How many of us have slept poorly and then the next day felt really foggy? That That's that's an obvious one, but I, but we, want, we want, sort of want to know why. Um, in the last show, when I spoke about the pillars of health, I spoke about sleep, uh, or two shows ago, sleep in detail, talking about what it does. So really a poor state of sleep will kind of put us in a drunken state. And Dr. Michael Bruce suggests not to even drive when you don't sleep well. So really the question is why? Well, at night, the cerebral spinal fluid, right, that's floating through your spine, back to your brain, through your spine, is cleaning out your brain. It's literally like power washing your brain. If you don't sleep enough at night, that process doesn't happen correctly. And then all that crap from the night before is still built up in the brain causing inflammation. And we know brain inflammation is going to help lead to brain fog, right? And all the other processes also, the, the integration of all the things from the day before, that slowed down. So the brain is backed up. Think about a slow computer backed up. Uh, and with that low-grade inflammation, we're going to start seeing that brain fog. And also cytokine imbalances. We know that if you sleep poorly, your proteins, uh, the cytokines, which are basically the, the uh, immunological proteins, are going to be out of balance and also lend to that inflammatory state, okay? Lack of fiber and gut dysbiosis. This is such an important one. 
because a lot of us are chronically dealing with gut issues and not understanding why it's affecting our brain, but it does because the gut and the brain are very much so intimately connected. Uh, when I said lack of fiber, I'm, I mean fiber is essential. And this is why I talk about it so much. You're going to get about, if you get about 50 grams of fiber and you have a healthy gut, you're going to be creating and feeding your body with butyrate, right? This is a short chain fatty acid that is essential for brain health, right? It doesn't directly go to the brain, but through an indirect process, it's going to send signals to the brain. It's going to help reduce inflammation in the brain, right? Help encourage the growth of new brain cells. There's this amazing connection. It's very intimate. And we know as the gut gets healthier, the brain gets healthier and vice versa, right? So in the dysbiosis environment where you have the infectious bacteria growing, overgrowing, overpowering the good commensal bacteria, that's a problem, right? Because it's important to understand if your gut is infected with bacteria, yeast, fungi, viruses, parasites, then it's inflamed. And if it's inflamed, then the brain's going to be compromised. So it's a whole circuit that's really, really important for us to understand. Fix the gut and you fix your brain. Some other obvious ones, poor hydration. How many of us have gone, oh man, I just can't think straight. I'm really foggy. You drink some water and you feel great. Make sure you're hydrated. Make sure you're hydrated, not only with clean, purified water, but you also have minerals going with it. Low blood glucose, for sure. Many of us go a whole, you know, you eat breakfast and then just forget to eat because you get so busy at work and then you have the brain fog but feel so much better when you're eating. Keep tabs on your blood sugar. Keep tabs on eating. If you're, if you're hungry, make sure you eat. But make sure you're eating protein-rich foods and fiber-rich foods. Those will keep your blood sugar stable and avoid that brain inflammation and brain fog. Okay. Lack of exercise, of course, this is one of the other important ones. And this lends more to the of the flow of blood, the cerebral flow. So really important as you're exercising, not only are you increasing blood flow to the brain, you're moving that cerebral spinal fluid, right? You're detoxifying the brain, getting rid of that junk. You're detoxifying the body. You're reducing it. You're causing a little inflammation when you're working out, but overall it's reducing over time. You're strengthening your body, your hormones. Everything is, the elegant symphony is working well. So make sure you're you're um, exercising enough if you have brain fog. Now, this might be one of my favorite ones because I did suffer with brain fog and it's when I was exposed to mold. So mold is super important thing for us to understand. Environmental toxins can cause brain fog. These spores, the mycotoxins that you are breathing in are going to cause brain inflammation, which is going to lead to brain fog for most folks, almost all, because it does manifest pretty quickly aside from sinus issues as cognitive uh, deficits. And we start seeing it pretty quick, especially in memory and focus and communication and word recall. So if you're suffering, and I mean, like, let's say I went over this whole list and you go, you know what, Dr. G, my gut is good. I'm eating well. I'm hydrated. I got all my vitamins. I got a vitamin test. It looks great. My vitamin D is great. What's going on? Then you really have to start thinking about your environment because mold can absolutely start inflaming the brain. So think about that. I, I did a whole mold show. Go back to that whole show. Listen from minute one to the last minute to have a better understanding if you're afraid that your environment has mold because on paper, 50% of homes are moldy. Um, other environmental, environmental toxins, heavy metals. Um, the reason why I talk about them so much is because they have an affinity for tissues, particularly the brain. So heavy metals love hanging out in the brain. They love being stored in the brain. We see it in postmortem autopsies, autopsies where we see heavy metals building up in the brain when they test for it. So uh, mercury, lead in particular has a huge affinity for the brain. Cadmium, 
um, arsenic, okay, and other ones. But these are really important ones, and this is why I talk about where they're found uh, and how to avoid them. But we know uh, high heavy metal foods, listen to my cacao powder show, listen to my protein powder show, uh, collagen show. But certainly get learn more about heavy metals. I don't think they're talked about enough, but you can do your research. This is the empowerment. All right, and lastly, if you have brain fog, you may want to talk to your doctor about supplementing, uh, right? I talked about the interventions. You got to be exercising. You got to be eating better. You got to be uh, pooping. You want to make sure you're, you're detoxifying as well and making sure you're getting good sleep. But you may want to supplement some nootropics. And these are agents that are going to be helpful in feeding the brain. And they have different each one has different aspects to how it helps the brain, but really, essentially, what we're going to see is reduction in brain inflammation, increasing blood flow, increasing brain metabolism, right? Okay, for the product review segment, I just want to review some of the agents that are going to be helpful for brain fog, right? Remember, we, we went over all of these things, these interventions that you can make in the knowledge bomb, but here are some things that will supplement that. So here are some of my favorites. So some of my favorite ones, lion's mane, that's the mushroom one, right? Lion's mane, we know increases BDNF, will increase the communication between neurons, the brain cells. So lion's mane is like a staple in my uh, supplement regimen because I see a marked effect with it. Life cycle is my favorite one. Um, I don't know how real mushrooms is, but I know that they have a powder, so we may want to check that one out. Citicoline uh, in vinpocetine. Citicoline is found in our body. Uh, it is found in all of our cells, and vinpocetine is more synthetic, but both have very similar action in the brain. They're both neuroprotective. They protect our brain cells from inflammation, increase blood flow. Remember I said the cerebral component for brain fog increases brain metabolism. Uh, really, really interesting ones. I've used both and have both have helped as in focus, I have noticed like much more focus when I was doing tasks. But the same goes with lion's mane. Two of my favorite ones or three of my favorite ones for focus. One's in your cabinet. Now, if you're suffering brain fog, start adding these to your food. Rosemary, turmeric, thyme, and black pepper. Really easy. All you need is these four, and all are going to have action at increasing blood flow to the brain, reducing inflammation in the brain, reducing oxidation in the brain. It's awesome stuff. Also cacao, but make sure you get a really good one. Go back and listen to that show. MCT oil. I add the, actually add this to my morning smoothies every morning uh, because... MCT oil helps provide those ketones, right? Those molecules to our brain. Ketones are brain food. So I know in the morning after my brain has integrated so much, detoxified so much, it was, it was dreaming, it was working. Now I'm giving it the MCT oil to at least replenish it and go, oh, thank you. I'm ready to eat. I, you know, feed the body, but feed me too. So it's awesome stuff. I love MCT oil. Um, artichoke extract, really good for memory. This is another one of my favorite neurotropics that help the brain. Of course, omega-3s, you can get them from plant or fish, going to increase the communication between nerve cells in the brain, um, increase, uh, reduce inflammation in the body and in the brain. So really important stuff. Resveratrol. I like that one a lot for, it's a longevity, we think about it for longevity, but it also reduces oxidation in the brain, which will lead to inflammation. And rhodiola and bacopa, two of my favorite uh, herbs that are helpful for the brain. Rhodiola being an adaptogen, so really helpful for our adrenals too, and bacopa being awesome, awesome at focusing in the brain and doing many of the aforementioned uh, 
ca- having many of the aforementioned characteristics of these supplements here. So here are some of my favorite ones. Not all are created equal, but add some of these into your diet. Talk to your doctor about add some of these to your diet and see if it's really going to be helpful with the brain fog. But remember, these are just supplements. The things that I mentioned before are the interventions that you want to make first. All right, all right, all right. Today's special guest, Alejandro Junger, right? He's a cardiologist, internal medicine. More importantly than anything, he practices open-minded medicine, right? Functional doctor, yeah, but open-minded medicine. And I love when he told me that because we need more doctors like you. So thank you, Alejandro. Well, you're one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Both of us for joining the show. I mean, I've been so impressed ever since I met you because of your knowledge. Like you have so much, but you have this passion for learning more and more and more. Um, have how was it when you were in cardiology? You know, in the, let's say in the nineties, right? Back in the nineties, were you 80s. practicing in the eighties? Okay, all right, all right. And w- what was the point where you're like, okay, yeah, no, I I need to expand. There's more. There's more healing out there. I can do more. I need to get into open-minded medicine. So, so to understand that fully, you have to uh, understand that I come from a family. I'm an amazing father and mother, very open-minded in their own way, and always inclined to believing in the miraculous. So my mom used to see healers and you know and witches and things like that, very innocently. You know, so so already I was predisposed to open my mind. But um, but it wasn't until I went to medical school in Uruguay, graduated as a doctor, went to New York to do my internship, residency, and fellowship. And in those three years, I got really sick. And, and with severe depression, severe irritable bowel syndrome, and, and horrible allergies. So I couldn't function. Went to three doctors, the teachers that mm-hmm. I was learning from, and got three diagnoses and seven prescription medications. And I get, went back home with all these prescriptions. And I said, oh, no, the, I'm not going to do this and take seven pills three times a day just so I function because I knew that nothing was being corrected. It was just forcing the chemistry, blocking histamine and blocking uh, <laughs> hydrochloric acid mm-hmm. and blocking... You know, so Turning it all off. Yeah, I knew that, you know, and, and I knew also that the body... When you block, it's like a dam. You're just gonna go mm-hmm. uh, off through mm-hmm. another side, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so I knew that that was not my path. And then I said, "Wait a minute! If it's not my path, why am I doing this to my patients?" So it was like a midlife crisis. Ah. Took you know, and then I took off. I went to India. I studied meditation, and and I was exposed to Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine chiropractic medicine, naturopathic medicine, and we were all working together, and that's where my mind was cracked open. So I say open-minded medicine because I kind of take from anywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's not medicine, Mm -hmm. even if it's a healer. I I mean, I I have stories that are just out of a a novel with healers and things like this. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been searching them all my life. But, um, but yeah, uh, what I say is this. You cannot argue with success. 
If you have a patient and you want and and you can help him with something that even if it seems weird as long as it's safe and you do help him who cares mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's my philosophy yeah absolutely the safety is a big part right like if they're improving then why not be open to it and i i, I wish that that was actually the mindset of all of medicine here in the states and around the world um because i know i've seen naturopathic modalities help massively so many people i've seen chiropractic help people i've seen tcm traditional chinese medicine help people and certainly ayurveda but we don't have these modalities accessible like we usually do. Functional medicine. Functional medicine. Right? I yeah. say that functional medicine is, is what a, f- uh, a regular doctor would turn into if you teach him how to think like an Ayurvedic or a Chinese medicine doctor. Ah. But with all the tools yeah. and, and information of Western medicine. Wow. If they had the toolkit, right? Well, we have a toolkit. Yeah. It's just that we need to reorganize it and think uh-huh. it in a way in which the, the 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 you know the body the patient is an individual immersed in an environment and affected by a family and a in a culture and mm-hmm. right in a society mm-hmm. a tribe right so when you when you start thinking like that whatever we know about the physiology and biology and you you look at it in a different way right yeah yeah I I so then at what point let's say it cracked open, you know, you have all of this new influx of modalities. You said, wow, this is helping this person here in India and TCM, and this is amazing. So then you come back to New York. What, what, what happened then? So, so I'm, I'm in India, and, and, and we see people in a round table. The patient is there, the Chinese medicine doctor, myself, the, the Ayurvedic medicine doctor, the naturopath, and we're all talking to the patient, and everybody's asking questions according to what they want to find out. So, you know, the Ayurvedic doctor was asking questions about uh, how the person reacted to certain foods, and mm. right? Yeah. And at the beginning, I was like, what does that matter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the other one was asking this and that, and, and, and then afterwards, we all stopped and said, okay, what would you do? What would you do? And, I, and I, you know, at the beginning with some resistance, but then when I witnessed what was happening, I said, wow, there's a big value to all of this, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when... That's when I was exposed. And then, now, when I came back to the United States, I said, this is how I want to practice medicine. Wow. So I'm going to look for Chinese medicine doctors, Hebraic medicine doctors, and, you know? But the reality, and you know this well, mm-hmm. is that in order for me to be profitable to the practice that hired me, it translated to seven minutes per patient, right? So the patient, <coughs> it's kind of tricked because the patient comes, has to fill paperwork, is sitting in the waiting room, it, you know, the, then, then the nurse puts him in a room, takes a temperature, takes the blood pressure, writes everything in the chart, puts the chart in the door. And I was going from room to room, right, seven minutes per patient. And then the ne- the, as soon as I left, I was seeing 25, 30 people a day. How can I even understand where their problem is coming from? The, the, the thing that you do in the United States especially is you practice defensive medicine. My teachers, my proctors, my, you know, the attending physicians that used to train me used to say when you write your progress notes, imagine yourself in court and the judge reading them and, and making a decision to see if you were negligible mm-hmm. or not. And that's how we write our progress notes. That's how we think. So this is really, really not a way to achieve wellness and 
you know, optimization of all functions is just a way to kill symptoms. Yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunately, that's the paradigm, right? That's, that's where we are. And I was so put off the, the, the last time I went to, you know, a traditional, really by the book, allopathic doctor it was, you know, they, I was getting strep throat every single year, twice a year, really bad. This was many years ago. They, she, she didn't even look at my throat. She just wrote my prescription at that point because it was already, you know, eight minutes, nine minutes. We, I, there's people out, out in the next room, the next room, the next room. And I said, what the heck? I go, something didn't seem right about that. Or she even asked me like, you know, what am I eating? Am I eating sugar, uh, processed foods, trans fats, something that's really causing inflammation to create that space where I'm get constantly getting infections. But um, it must have been really frustrating for you because you had all this knowledge, right? Well, it, it, the thing is that that I was trained as a doctor and I believed in medicine. I, you know, I, I thought that medicine was a, the tool, right? And in many ways, it is. For the acute problems, it's the best tool, right? You have a car accident, I'm not going to go meditate or, or drink Tulsi tea. I'm going to the best orthopedic surgeon yeah. in the planet, right? Yeah. Which is Western medicine at its best. But for the chronic problems that we're suffering from, Western medicine insists on the acute problem so, uh, solutions, and they just don't fit. And the problem is that 90% of the problems that we're suffering as a species are chronic problems. Mm -hmm. And we're treating everything with the 10% good solutions. We try to force it down the chronic problems' mm -hmm. throats, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so, so true. I, I mean, this is, I just put up a Q&A on Instagram and someone asked a question about that. And I said exactly what you just said. Acute, the best of the best. best. But you can't put that. You couldn't put that model on, you know, chronic, chronic diseases we, or even preventative. That's, that's almost negligible. We have to start preventing to get to that chronic space. Um, and that's the beauty of functional medicine. Yes. Because that's what functional medicine brings to the table, mm -hmm. that, that it grabs all the knowledge that's already been accumulated. It, it, it doesn't question what you see under the microscope. It doesn't question tight junctions mm -hmm. in the intestinal lining. It doesn't question... It adds context and, and environment, yeah. right? So, so you get to the root of the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly true. And, and I love that because now people going through traditional school, allopath school, have access where they can go, all right, well, let me get more of a context so I understand how things work as a whole system rather than just putting the microscope and going, we're just going to treat your stomach and not paying attention to anything else, right? Right. And I, and I right. love that. So... So then you, you, you started, when, when did you really start getting passionate about like clean and clean is, you know, your series of books. So I come, I come back from India. Okay. I, I'm hired by this very successful medicine, cardiology practice in Palm Springs that, um, and then one day I'll tell you the story of how this practice made money, which is really kind of shameful in a way, right? Mm. They were, they were, uh, they had a, a fixed rate contract with a very large uh, insurance company. So, so the, the, we had to see all the doc, all the patients from that account while the main doctor was just seeing private patients. So, so we had to instructions of spending the least time possible so that mm -hmm. we made that money profitable, mm -hmm. right? 
anyways. Um, and I say these things because people have to be careful, right? And I always t tell uh, uh, my, my patients and people that listen to me, if you go to the doctor and they don't sit with you and they don't look in your eyes and they don't ask you what you ate, unless it's a highly specialized surgeon and there's no point for him to, you know, then, then change doctors. You know? mm. So I, I, I came back from, from uh, India. I, I had improved a little bit in terms of my symptoms of depression, irritable bowel syndrome, and allergies. But the moment that I stopped eating the monastery's uh, vegan food cooked with love and prayers and sitting around at a round table discussing patients yeah. from other points of view, I was running like a chicken with no head, on call 24-7, five days a week, you know. So then I started eating hospital cafeteria food mm. and vending machine again, and then I it, everything came back with a wow. vengeance. It wasn't until I stumbled upon a friend who had gone to a detox center, juicing and colonics, that I saw the difference that he had obtained in 10 days that I said, what? Wow. So I went there, I learned, I did the program myself, just juice cleansing with colonics every day and some supplements. And my results were so drastic that I ended up asking myself, how come I didn't learn this in medical school? Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was a little bit of hokey pokey until I found the Institute for Functional Medicine that explains everything. Because in medical school, you remember, and I don't know, maybe your generation had, had a more holistic roundup. But, but for us, it was, it was classes on the kidney, classes on the liver, classes on the intestines, mm -hmm. classes on the uh, uh, lungs. Mm -hmm. But nobody ever told us all this, yeah. these organs also participate in a system called the detoxification system and what it does and how, and how you can intensify its work and support it nutritionally, right? Mm -hmm. When I learned that and I started learning how to effectively interfere for the benefit of the detoxification system, it was like finding a magic wand. Mm. Poof, poof, depression, allergies, autoimmunity, weight gain. I mean, everybody was, uh, just give them a 21-day program. <laughs> I felt like a fairy. Yeah, uh, yeah, just met with this blessing everyone. Blessing yeah, everyone. That's amazing you know? with the yeah. wand. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> and, and so are you of the belief that a lot of these diseases are manifesting because of over toxicity, exposures, things from food, air, you know, skin, what we put on our skin. So I'll tie it, I'll tie it up for you. I see the earth as a, as, a, as a patient, right? And in a way, the planetary body is parallel to the human body, right? The planetary body has arteries, which are the rivers. It has lungs, which are the forests. It has amniotic fluid still, which are the oceans. It has cells, you and me and different cells running around, just like your body has different cells running around, right? And this planetary body has a fever. And we talk about global warming, and, but it, really fevers are symptoms, right? So if we look at it as a, as a doctor and we look at this patient with a fever, and then you say, okay, well, wh where's the fever coming from, right? Mm -hmm. And what do you do when your patient comes? You take blood and you analyze it, right? Let's say you go with a giant syringe and suck some of these moving, you know, people, right? And we analyze them. And we see under the microscope, right, a very similar thing that we see with cancer cells. You know, cancer cells are killing each other and killing other cells and mm -hmm. producing toxic waste. And, and, and 
reusing resources and not caring for, for other cells, especially so they invade, you know? And the human beings are doing the same on the planet, mm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so what is the most common aspect of this, uh, of this cell and the effects that are causing in the planet? Toxicity. Uh, the, 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 the planetary body also has a detox system. And it has to do with the plants and, and, the, and the generation of oxygen from plants. Mm -hmm. and, 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 um, and we are diseased cells and to to producing so much toxicity that we are bathing ourselves in, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's why. So I believe that detoxification at an individual uh, uh, human body level and at a planetary level is crucial. Mm -hmm. For the survival of the species, for the survival of the patient, and 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 the, for the survival of the planet. Yeah, yeah, that is that's excellent, and I so agree with that because our connection to nature. It, I, many people are like, "Oh, I feel so connected to nature." I'm like, "That's because you are nature," you know. And we know that in, you get into a deep meditation, or or you have these experiences where you see, "Whoa!" Like I, I'm I'm part of this whole. So it stands to believe then that the health of nature and earth is your health. It is. It's, a, it's another skin of yours. Yeah. Right? I talk in my book, Clean, about the four skins, right? The first one is the one that we call skin, right? The second one is the one that you put immediately on top, right? And this can be full of toxins, right? The third one is our, our houses, is our third skin. And the fourth skin is the atmosphere, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And the sources of, of toxicity in every single skin. And that's what you are passionate I about. I love talking about that one. Yeah, I yeah. love talking. Uh, I, I, I need to bring it to the fourth skin. I, I talk about one, two, and three, but talking about the fourth skin on a more global scale would be really important to empower. Yeah. And that's when you start talking like Zach Bush about, yes. about regenerative agriculture, yes. like Mark Hyman. And, mm -hmm. You know, that's where those people are thinking about how do we toxify the outer skin. Yeah. I am thinking about how to detoxify uh -huh. the inner skin. Uh -huh. we, we will start small for the people listening and viewing. We'll start small, these, these small interventions, but know that we are part of a bigger whole. I think that's the huge take home for that part of what you just said, and it's incredible. So then you develop this, this program yeah. yourself, right? Well, listen, I'm not gonna bo boast about something. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an editor. I get good content mm -hmm. and I edit it together, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of these concepts are <laughs> Jeffrey Bland's and, and functional medicine concepts, you know, with the elimination diet yeah. and, the, and the medical foods. And so a lot of that understanding went into <clears throat> developing this program. And then, then some Ayurvedic medicine and then some uh, understanding from nature, like mm -hmm. intermittent fasting. So mixing these things is that that I, that I came together with this plan, right? That's awesome. So yeah. you have your clean program. We can all do it 21 days? 21 days. And there's a new one called Clean 7 in which I include more Ayurvedic and intermittent fasting into the, into the protocol mm -hmm. to make it a little more intense. Because what I realized is even though I created a 21-day program that changes people's lives, not everybody or m very few people are ready to commit for 21 days to anything, mm -hmm. sometimes even to a marriage <laughs> for 21 days. So, so I needed to find a way to give people in a shorter amount of time an experience that will make them feel 
good enough or inspired enough that they want to continue and learn more. Mm. And it's working. Mm. That's the Clean 7 program. Oh, I love that. I love that. So the detoxification pathway, we got to start detoxing. And as you mentioned, I love bringing that to the, the surface about what things we can just choose, you know, because there's a lot of crap in our clothes and our food and our water and skincare, things we have in the shower, everything. But we can make small changes is what I tell people. You don't have to get overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. You Otherwise know? you don't do anything. You're not going to do it. Then you shut down and yeah. you go, forget it. Yeah. I don't want to listen you to freeze. this. I don't want to listen to this goofball, Dr. G. And you know, they're going to turn off the TV. Yeah. Um, what are, what are some other modalities that you found for yourself really empowering? Like you, those one of those aha, like you talked about the juice cleanse and you were like, why didn't I learn about this? I feel great. Is there other things that you've experienced where you were like, whoa, like this is powerful? Because I know that you've you've been around the world and I know that you've met a lot of healers. So I'm interested personally, but I know the viewers and listeners are too. So when we talk about medicine, right, um, a lot of the viewers are going to think doctor, eh, hospital, treatment, or functional medicine, supplement. When I talk about medicine, it's much more expansive, Mm -hmm. right? And I I include natural medicine, animal medicine, plant medicines, right? So some of the most powerful experiences in my life were through plant medicines, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it was ayahuasca, San Pedro, um, um, mushrooms, Mm -hmm. psilocybin, uh, ibogaine, each one of these medicines showed me or revealed something or benefited me in a different way, mm. right? And in a different way at different times. So, so you know, when you take uh, an anti-acid, there's, there's everybody gets the same effect. You inhibit the sodium-potassium pump, and right? But when you take a plant medicine, you are taking a medicine with high intelligence that will affect the the patient in in the way according to what they need right mm-hmm. so so everybody's experience is somewhat different mm-hmm. right? or or very different right yeah so those those were the the experiences that f- gave me the most insight into into life. Mm-hmm. They're powerful, very powerful. Very powerful. And I love that you pointed out there's an intelligence behind it. Because when I see, you know, they're doing a lot of trials on this, um, and I know that it's been legalized, at least the psilocybin in Colorado and I believe Oakland. So what I hear is that there's different presentations of mental disturbances like depression or anxiety, uh, but it affects the person differently because it knows. In, in its own intelligence, how to heal. It's incredible. People have different experiences with different things. So, And, and there is a problem, right, that nobody really is talking about, which is, which is this. These medicines have been around for thousands of years, and these medicines are to be used in a very specific way. You cannot go with a surgical kit mm. and give it to somebody in a tribe and say, yeah, these are the tools, mm-hmm. and just because they become dangerous. They can cauterize your aorta or whatever, you know, your carotid artery or whatever, right? So, so what I see is that with all this upsurge of medicines, right, or plant medicines and animal medicines, uh, um, 
I have a friend that calls it the the pandemia of shamanella, right? <laughs> everybody's a shaman, right? Yeah. So with this pandemia of shamanella comes a danger that you're using this, this, you know, because these are technologies. These are, the, even though they're plants and, the, and they're, they're, they're using the intelligence of nature to give the effect, this is high, you know, this is, this is nature's technology. So you need to know how to use. So what I'm more now inclined to, to think is that when you're going to use these medicines, go and talk to the specialists, mm. right? So one of the things that I want to do is I want to go to this Mayan elder, and I showed you uh, Tata Eric, right, mm -hmm. Eric Gonzalez, and I want to go to him and I want to say to him, he's a shaman or, or, or server of 12 plant medicines, including Ibog no, no, Ibogen, ayahuasca, peyote, San Pedro, uh, and many, many of these in mushrooms, mm -hmm. many of these plants from, from the southern hemisphere. right? And I want to say, give me your diagnosis. What do I need? Mm. Do I need ayahuasca? Do I need peyote? According to my traumas and my insecurities mm. and my, you know, what do you see? How is my psyche affected in the wrong way by the life that I'm living, which mm. is not a natural life, right? Mm. That's what I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, and, and that's so powerful intuitives are able to, are you suggesting, know that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because these, these people, they look at you and they have a way of, of, of seeing, you know, I mean, mm. first of all, they will know immediately if you're present or not, mm. the, the way you see it, the way you, you know you listen or or not, or, you know. So so already that gives them a direction, of, mm. you know. Because maybe you need a smack <laughs> in the head in a wake up, you know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, it's just it's just incredible to me to hear someone who has been classically trained but is so passionate about going around the world and redefining what healer means. And there's so much power in that because just because you got a doctor degree does not mean you are a healer. There's many doctors out there who aren't healing. Actually, many times it's an impediment. It's many times it's an impediment. Exactly. Right. Because you know that this works, but you may be with your hands tied behind you mm -hmm. or blind or blind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and it's true, but the, 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 the power of seeing other people do what they do and heal, it's pretty incredible. There's right? nothing, there's nothing that gives me more exhilaration would be the word to see the healing process in front of me. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that is an expression of the highest mystery, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so sometimes I can actually explain it. I can say, well, of course, you know, you you removed the the toxins, you you replaced whatever was lacking, and it's just one of the principles of functional medicine: mm -hmm. remove what's blocking things and add whatever is lacking, and everything corrects by itself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, many times, there's no explanation whatsoever, and it's. That's when you enter the realm of the weird stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, yeah, sometimes healing is weird, right? Yeah, but that is, to me, the most fascinating and the, and the most exhilarating. And I don't care if, if somebody heals after a vitamin D peel, pill or after an exorcism, mm -hmm. right? As long as they're healed. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, amongst all of this, I know you've seen a lot of these 
interventional modalities like, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, they'll give Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, plant medicine, animal medicine. But what about the mental, emotional? How much is that really, truly tied to healing? Is I always talk about a glacier and the little part that you see is just those physical symptoms, right? But under there is like the mental, emotional. It's been driving it for so, so long. Um, do you sort of resonate with, with my little not picture only, of it? Not only resonate, I think that you just nailed the most important crucial aspect of, of, of life, right? Because I call it different. I don't call it your mental, emotional. That, uh, uh, that is the consequence of your state of being, right? So, so what I am looking for is a state of presence that when that state is happening, many of the mental, emotional blockages, interferences, distortions, dysfunctions, just get resolved, mm. you know? And it, it can happen like this, the moment you become present. Sometimes I, I do little exercises with patients and I see that they're not looking or they're not really present. So I find a way of shocking them into like, you know, or either saying something or, or maybe just stopping to talking and, and then suddenly they're realizing, well, what, 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 you know, we're not listening. And then poof, you put them in the present. And sometimes I see some of the problems dissolving, like anxiety attacks and mm -hmm. things like poof, just right in there in, in front of my eyes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That fascinates me. Yeah, that's like uh, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, uh, the power of now. He speaks about totally. the state of being, totally. right? And if you actually, if that's your fountainhead where you're coming from, your life is springing from there, then you are at the most peaceful, healthy state you can be. And recently, I've had discussions with uh, Jeffrey Blount about this, and, and with a very, with a very respected guru in India, you know. And I was saying, I was saying how in, in the in the in Gurdjieff's uh, cosmology and, and teachings, I don't know if you know who he is. Mm -hmm. He was a spiritual teacher from Russia, and um, George Ivanovich Gurdjieff. And he, you know, one of his teachings are best described in a book called *In Search of the Miraculous*. And he talks about how how we have the ability of transmutation, of alchemy, right? In fact, it's happening all the time. You know some of the of the reactions between oxygen and hemoglobin, and and I mean it's it, it, this transmutation of energies and and right. So so, but we also have the ability to transmute a matter, and this is a little crazy, right? But 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 st stick with me for a second, and that and that ability really depends on your uh, on your level of presence of your state of being. And the people that are fully, fully present have access to, sh to, to having shifts inside their biology happen. So for example, if, if you're lacking vitamin D, but you're in a state of mm -hmm. complete expansion, you may not even need the vitamin D. Mm, wow. You know, and and that, that is really what I am trying to understand. Because there's a point in which grace comes in. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not just all physical, uh, mm -hmm. Newton, Newtonian, Cartesian, right? There is something beyond 
something more powerful. Beyond. Yeah. It's pretty incredible because that got me thinking about people who meditate for like 30, 40 days, 50 days. They don't eat. They don't drink water. How are they surviving out there? Right? Like this, this gets me thinking, is it possible that in a hyper state of presence that your body's biology and chemistry just goes, no, you're good. We don't even need to function right now. Well, you've heard of breatharians. Breatharians. Right? So that, that's the next thing I was thinking about. So, yeah. I mean, I, I believe that all these things are possible. Not everybody that claims to have those abilities has them. In mm -hmm. fact, most people that claim to have them don't because the people that have them don't claim to. But, um, but yeah, I believe that when, you know, <laughs> when they describe Jesus Christ waking up the dead or, or, or making the cripple walk, and they're talking about a actual phenomenon. Mm -hmm. not a, a, it's not a poet. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a poesy or a, you yeah. know. Or yeah, not an analogy. You're, not you're, an analogy you're, you're saying that it truly is, was physical. Yeah, that's what, that's what, yeah. And, when, and when somebody is at that level, right, and Jesus Christ seems to have been the, the, the maximum mm -hmm. expression of that, Buddha, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. Mohammed, right? They had these abilities that, as if they were nature and they can bend the rules, you know? Right, right. So then you think about healing with your hands. It, is it literally just an expression of changing energy into matter, matter to energy? That alchemy. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, that's a great part of this conversation because I always, you know, I often think about this. Through school, I was like, oh, I wonder what, how much there is to these healing energies, these what's energetic happening, therapies. What's happening when these people riddled with, with uh, cancer mm -hmm. then spontaneously... Uh, uh, going to remission. Mm. What's spontaneous? Uh, it's not cure. A uh, spontaneous re resolution, or yeah. right? What is that? Yeah. Where is? What is that caused the spontaneity? Where, what seems spontaneous? Because miracles are just things that we don't understand or can explain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And is are they tapping into another realm, like quantum, the quantum realm, possibly? Because you talked about Newtonian. You know, we, we that's how we approach matter. Well, after my experiences with ayahuasca, with ibogaine, and with mushrooms, I know that there's a different realm mm. right here. Yeah, you feel it. Right here that we can't see because the veils of, of, of reality are limited by the instrument that we have to even measure it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is our eyes and mm -hmm. our ears. And so, so right here, there's, you know, there's, there's other realms, right? And, and, Plant medicines are ways to access that, but when you do access that, you never, you don't, you're never back to be the same, mm -hmm. because then you you kind of lose that grip of ego that centers life around you and what you like and what you need and you know. Mm -hmm. I like this. I like that. <laughs> I can attest to that. Absolutely, my my sense of self is very different. I there's. <laughs> There's no more like, oh, me, I want this. I'm in the middle. Everything's revolving around me. Give me, give me. It's just different, you know, and it's and, pretty incredible. And that's why enlightened beings, when you really hear or see or, or if you're lucky, you encounter an enlightened being, you look that most of them are in service mm -hmm. to humanity. Yeah, it's, just giving. Just that's what's happened. That's a commonality. All right, so amongst all of this, what are some of the things, because we talked about a lot, some of the things the viewers or the listeners can start doing today, after this, and say, what, what are some really things that are important to you that we should know? So, so the way that I see medicine is as, as art restoration. You know, doctors are like 
art restorers, right? The piece of art is the patient. And who is the artist? Nature. So I always think, what would nature do? Or what has nature done or is doing, right? We are the only species on the planet that is living completely, um, uh, us and, and the poor things that we keep close to us, dogs and cats and fish, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever it is that we have in our homes. Th- we are living in such a different way than the rest of the animals in the planet, and we're suffering for it. Not only the toxicity of the chemicals that we add to the air, the water, the cosmetics, the medications, the cleaning products, the, the architecture of materials, but mostly the foods that we eat, but also the habits that we are born, programmed to not even question are completely shifting things, you know. So for thousands of years, we lived very similar, thousands or millions, depending on how you think of things. We lived very similar to the rest of the animals in the planet, which is what? Free, walking around, mostly naked, uh, under the sun, changes of seasons, Mm -hmm. finding food and eating them when you find it, and then fasting until you find the next one, right? So intermittent fasting by imposition of nature, right? So so we were living there for thousands of years. It is only in evolutionary time, a dot in the line of evolution, in which we are eating 24 hours a a day, 365 days a year, multiple times a day. So suddenly... uh, 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 the evolution of our genes and the and the physiology and the hormones, everything that was used to fasting, feasting, fasting, feasting. Now, uh, now it's all digesting, digesting, digesting. It's you know, it's like giving, like living with yin and no yang. It's like living in the day and no night. Mm-hmm. So, what I um, I'm referring to is go back to nature. What what is nature? Nature imposes mostly f- uh, uh, mostly plants. feeding with mostly plants, animals whenever you can catch it, right? So slow down with your animal intake. Um, um, Go outside, breathe fresh air, exercise, sleep well, spend time with friends and family, and eat real foods and not food-like products Mm -hmm. or edible products. Mm -hmm. Just that would take us out of the pandemia uh, situation that we're living in and, yeah. and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I love that. This is, this is what I say, get back to nature. Yeah. Just how can we, I just did my Pillars of Health show, uh, you know, two episodes ago and an episode ago, the two-part one, and it was, most of it was getting back to nature. It's literally just how can we align ourselves with our natural state that we evolved with over time. So I love that. And that is what Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, naturopathic medicine, that is what they are Mm. focused on. How do we either uh, put this body back in nature or trick the body to thinking it's in nature, Mm -hmm. right, to improve it? I love that. I love that. Okay, so you have a book coming out. I, I have... Four books already came out. Okay. Clean, Clean Gut, Clean Eats, which is just recipes, and Clean 7 is my latest book, came out in December. In December, yeah. Yeah, so, so these Love are... D- a, a clean is about cleansing and detoxification in a 21-day program. Clean Gut is about gut repair, which is where I consider... I consider... Many people consider the, the origin, this, you know, the health and disease start in the intestines. And then... And then uh, 
Clean Eats is just recipes. Clean 7 is a, a seven-day detox program okay. that includes Ayurvedic medicine, functional medicine, and intermittent fasting. I, lo- I love that. I love that. Um, and is there anything else that you want to – anything coming up, anything exciting, or wh- where can we find you? How about that? Uh, Dr. Alejandro Junger in, uh, in Instagram. Mm-hmm. Cleanprogram.com is our company where we sell kits to really make it easy for people to do a 21 or seven day program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you for inviting me. I love your show. I'm a fan. Very, very powerful. I appreciate you. Thank you. Dr. Alejandro Junger, well-traveled, such a wise, wise soul. It's incredible to see a medical doctor speak that expansively. It's really encouraging for me. And I I do look up to how passionate he can be about healing and talking about healers. So I really hope you enjoyed that segment. Hope you learned a lot. I'm over here on the other side learning every single word a lot. So um, thank you for joining the show, reading, reviewing, subscribing, and I'll see you next week. 